Thank you guys. Thank you guys for coming out, being hearty souls on a pretty cold night. I don't know what it's going to do out there. I might not want to go too long here because it seemed like there was some little sparkles out there on the street. It hasn't been freezing or anything lately, but it might get a little bit slick, so we want to be careful out there. Now, the people from Michigan aren't used to hills. <laughs> they live on a hill? You know that big hill they live on? <laughs> and, and Bob, he was not used to hills either. Iowa, Des Moines area. They had to go to the golf course where they had man-made hills to sled. And here you have moles. Yeah, right. get a call before Bible study. Rebecca might call during that. So if she does, we'll have to get an interruption and see how it's going there. They were supposed to be done right around, maybe somewhere around 7, but who knows. Yeah, so anyway, but we'll keep everybody in touch if it's later on. Let you know what's happening there. Uh, Why don't we start off with the word of prayer. Father, we thank you. You are glorious God. And uh, may we never forget, everything is all about you. And uh, we desire to see you in uh, being uh, lifted up high and exalted. And Lord, as we see you high and exalted, we see ourselves uh, dying to self and realizing who we are in you. And help us to have that proper perspective. Uh, your word is precious to us, and we gather around again around around your word and desiring for your spirit to uh, teach us a little bit more about who you are and uh, what you have done for us and what you continue to do, and that we would uh, just submit to you in the work that you're doing in us. We give all glory to you in Jesus name amen, amen. so um, the verse twenty two we talked about the obedience that we have because we have been born again. We came to the truth. God gave that truth to us. Uh, we purified our souls and we discussed what that was. Uh, we know that it's God who purifies us, but there is the sense of an ongoing practical aspect um, where we are sanctified, set apart, cleansed on a daily basis. And that gives us the um, ability to truly love the brethren, uh, and that's everybody uh, being able to uh, do things that wouldn't be natural. And when you when you're around the body of Christ, it's uh, it's a great thing to be able to see different people, different backgrounds. They all have different angles, and sometimes we may not understand, especially new people that come around. But it's vitally important to know each one of them because we know we don't have a God that uh, does, uh, you know, He's in charge of things and 
things are not accident when we run into people. And uh, so he brings those different kind of people around so that we can learn to love uh, them the way that uh, God loves. And the church is really exciting when you think about it because none of us really, outside of Jesus Christ, would probably be together and be really close to each other. You know, and I, I really uh, never want to take it for granted. I, I feel real close to the people that we fellowship with and, of course, other brothers and sisters in Christ that feel real close too because we're all family. And it's neat to know people that you don't know very well and as the more you learn who they are, you see a work that God is doing. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's so exciting. Oh, yeah. He's talking about a, a friend, of course, friend in Christ. And um, I don't, I can't remember which proverb that was. Wally Walters is a really good uh, brother in Christ. We go back to the 80s. <laughs> As, anybody remember the 80s? <laughs> and uh, he hasn't been around a long, for a long time, but um, every once in a while I'll run into him. But he sent me a card. I thought that was really good. Uh, and he he does a lot of artwork that's really good. I don't know if anybody knew Wally Walters or know him, but scrimshaw type work. And then uh, he does, what's the calligraphy? He did that, and boy, the way he writes. He's older than I am, so you, know, you ought to see my writing. My writing is like this. It is, it is. You know, I've, I've passed that that middle age thing. I'm no longer in the middle age anymore. I'm on the other side. So. But he is too. But I mean, I didn't know that guys like him could still, you know, write perfectly. Anyway, that was kind of neat. That, uh, that's brother in Christ. Fervent love. You know, fervent love, as uh, Peter says, from the heart. And then we'll um, start a new outline because last week, really, this was supposed to go on through the rest of the chapter. So I had an outline dealing with love. Well, now we're going to shift gears, basically go the same way, only I kind of changed up uh, the outlines. We'll move into chapter 2, really. And uh, so we're going to show that as we have this love that's built into us, he connects it, has a connecting term here, for you have been born again. You have no option to to love or not love, or not to show love to other people. Uh, We... Uh, are told to do that were commanded. And the reason that Peter gives it here, for you have been born again. For you have been born again. That's kind of interesting because first of all, we see that there's a cause. There's a cause of our being born again and it certainly isn't us. Uh, We've already seen that in 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it goes on. That's just a comma right there. But uh, a powerful, powerful um, chapter there. Chapter 1. We're still in it, aren't we? Still in the first chapter. Uh, so why why are we to love like this? This fervent love? Well, it's consistent with our new life. If we've been born again, it means we have new life. We've already experienced the power of the Word, right? Everybody here who's born again, right? You experienced the power of the Word of God. And you went out from from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of light. Uh, You went out from the wrath of God to the very grace of God. Uh, You moved from being a child of the devil 
a child of wrath to being a child of God. You move from being um, an enemy of God to being a son of God. Uh, you were converted, regenerated, transformed, sanctified, justified. Think of all those great terms. And you became new. Uh, you had life. Uh, God gave you a, a new heart, a new perspective. And we were born again by an imperishable uh, seed which He produced. And so your loving is consistent with now the new person that you are. Since this, since you are supposed to love, it's because of you being born again. You've been born again. Everyone that is born of God loves his brother. And that's some of the things that we were talking about last week, but we see there there's a concept of a, a new birth here. Um, in chapter 2, right at the end of well, verse 3, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, there's another born again thing. Um, good way to term it. We tasted the kindness. We taste His kindness always too, don't we? It's an ongoing thing. A regenerate man. Uh, the old creature is gone. New creature lives. Go to James. James one eighteen. We did the first Peter one three. He caused us to be born again. And uh, James. Talking about what God does to us and His Word. In the exercise of His will, we sang about His will tonight there in that song too, didn't we? In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth. How? By the Word of truth. Why? So that we'd be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. Christ is the first fruits, but um, we will be like Him. But it was His will, and He brought us forth, or caused us to be born again, and He did it by the Word of Truth. This is kind of moving into that uh, thought of the seed. First uh, Thessalonians two thirteen. This is how we became a child of God. This is how He calls us. First Thessalonians two thirteen. For this reason, we also constantly thank God, always thanking God, that when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. I like that verse. Because there is something about how, how it starts. The Word of God is something that's brought to us and it performed the saving work, and then it constantly is working in us. So that's why we, we always need the Word of God. We need to be hungering for the Word of God constantly. It's um, how we grow. As Peter's getting into that thought as he moves on in the next few verses. Uh, how about Romans ten seventeen? I bet everybody knows that one, right? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God or a word about the Messiah. Same thing. So, the Word of God, born again, two go hand in hand. He uses that as His tool. So that means we get into the monergism versus synergism again uh, here. Uh, monergism is single. It's a single work of Almighty God. It's His work that He does. He does not cooperate with us in our birth when we're talking about being born again. Infants don't produce their own procreation. Have you ever thought about that when you go back to you know real birth? I mean, it, we didn't 
have anything to do with that. Infants don't cooperate in their birth. And um, it's just like dead people spiritually that are in their trespasses and sins. Um, they can't be born again. They, they can't choose to do that the same way. It's, it's a passive uh, word here that we're dealing with in that, uh, that born again thought. You didn't give birth to yourself. God did it. It's an irresistible work. It's a work of God. And unwilling people were made willing in the day of God's power. I think that's just incredible. So, I think of John 1, 12 and 13. And again, saying the same thing. And it's talking about God's will. And the same thought. It says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even of those who believe in His name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So again, huh? the ones who receive Him are the ones later, John will talk about the ones that are drawn to Him. The ones He opens up to come to Christ. Now, thinking on this, this word and this born again, we come to this seed, this imperishable seed. How does God do it? Well, He uses seed in a natural sense, you know, for life. Um, but we're not thinking of earthly birth here. Uh, not the human birth, but that's a perishable one. We know we, we will all die, but uh, physically. Uh, you were born of sinful parents and and if your parents yourselves, then you're sinful too, and uh, right on down the line. But um, you were born of a corruptible seed, corruptible, uh, born of divine wrath. When we think about it, children of wrath, born of a seed which is perishable. But you are born again of a seed now which is what imperishable. For you have been born again not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. That's agreeing with all those other verses that we were looking at of how He brought us to life. So God brings life in this world through seeds, right? You think of, think of food and, that we have and even uh, the seed of, of uh, man. And uh, here, here we are. Everything will, will grow um, that God gives life to. Um, it grows by because there was a seed, a creation of God. But all the seeds in this world are going to die, no matter what kind of fruit, whatever they're going to put out, still going to die. But here's one that does not die. This is a life, a seed that doesn't die. And the new birth is a spiritual regeneration, and it's uh, imperishable through the living and abiding what word of God does not die. It's here forever. It's as undying as God is undying. The seed that ever lives is the seed that gives everlasting life. Um, and then he's going to use that great text out of Isaiah 40, 6-8. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Kind of like that. Grass, flowers... Uh, someone said uh, in the Middle East, uh, springtime of the year especially, you, you would have grass through the fields. They would have their rains. 
and then the, there would be like flowers coming up out of that beautiful green grass and it would have its glory there. The grass would because of certain flowers that would pop up. I don't know if you've ever gone to Texas and seen the blue bonnets that are out in the field. Have you ever seen that? Beautiful. I bet you guys have. You go down to Texas. Weren't you guys supposed to go down there? Were you? No? We did. I usually did. Yeah. But I didn't know if you were having a, going to have a trip down there or something. But is it is it in the spring that those uh, blue bonnets come out? Mm-hmm. April. April. The first time I ever saw that, I was just blown away. You know, you just see this blue, like blue carpet all over the fields. Photographers down there love that time of year because everybody's wanting to have family portraits done in the blue bonnet. Uh, yeah, that's an awesome thing. Yeah. Um, you, you think of that, and it's like they don't last too long. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're they're there throughout the summertime or anything. Of course, in in the Middle East, um, your grass goes pretty quick because whenever it gets hot, it's hot and dry, kind of like what our summer was last year, <laughs> and things just wilt and die off and turn brown real quick. But uh, we we saw that experience that last year. I wonder what's going to come back to life this year. Huh. <laughs> uh, a flower falls off, that's it, fades, crumbles, dies, has its glory, that's it. Just reminds me of what glory is going to be about, though. Because they're not going to die. Those, whatever those beautiful colors are from flowers and everything that come out are just so beautiful. Right. <laughs> Eternal. <laughs> yeah. Put all those together, right? Everything that is of the flesh dies. It's common. It can be spectacular sometimes, the beauty of God's creation. Uh, the best of flesh, the best of man's life. You know, you think of certain people, you know, the, the beauty. Uh, you think of some of the wisest people, the most profound, the articulate, the most gifted, the artist, the musicians, the educated, the wisest um, people that um, just are raised up in a lot of ways because of the, the genius that they have. That's kind of like a flower. And, uh, and of course, our lives are like flowers in a sense, physically, you know. Really, um, the glory doesn't last very long, even for the one who has all the education or one who is super talented. You know, the years go by and just like the flower fades, you know, the common man. And in the grave, you have a prince, you have a pauper. They're both in the grave. And so everything in the flesh dies, but generations come, generations go. Uh, the leaves, they come out on the trees, then they die, they decay. And here we have this great text here. I mean, it's, it's true as true can be. And he's saying, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And if you have the Word of the Lord that's the seed in you that's been planted, you will live forever. Um, that, this is out of Isaiah 40. Uh, go to Psalm 39.4. four. Thirty-nine four. out of Psalms. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Have you come across that verse very much? how transient we are, just like flowers, grass. We're just here for a little bit, really. You know, 
uh, a century it may seem like a long time, but when you really compare it to eternity, what is it, right? It's like a vapor. Let keep reminding me, Lord, how transient I am, how uh, you know the extent. Shows you what's really important. He is. His word is, isn't it? Yep. Go to Psalm one hundred three fifteen. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. And when the wind is passed over, it is no more. <laughs> and as proper acknowledge and uh, it no longer. But the ever or the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. Oh yeah, there's our balance, isn't it? He's putting things into perspective. Job 14, 1 and 2. Humbling, isn't it, sometimes when we really think about this life? And it's also good that you've got a lot of things you're thinking about or are concerned, too. Something far greater than this, isn't it? Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. Wow, Job. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know uh, where it is in Ecclesiastes, but... Something about a man is born to adversity as the sparks fly up. Yeah. Ecclesiastes will uh, give you a balance on life, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> it sure does. Very humbling, isn't it? Yeah. Well, everybody knows the James passage. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes the way. <laughs> Sorry, you teenagers. <laughs> there is a balance to all this, and we know we know those. We've been in First Peter. We've seen the other side, but it's this is reality. This is part of life, and there. Are, Things there because of what sin has done and caused to the human race, and it, there's death. But the Word of God is the seed, and you have the Word of God living in you. You have life, and uh, from here on out. Well, it's not not that That's right. And keeping in context, going back to that verse before this, having a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love, really stretching out every muscle. That's what we were saying that was. Fervently stretching it out, even when you don't feel like it or you don't think that's what you ought to do. Is fervently love one another from the heart, for you have been born again, not a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. 
We're talking about a life-giving seed that is through the living and enduring Word of God. This is what's done. This is how you're able to live this life. And I think in Hebrews 4.12 it says the Word of God is living and active. Right? Living. And it's just not living in you. It's active. Matter of fact, it penetrates the soul all the way to the if possible, all the way to the bone and the marrow. You know, I mean, it, it gets down deep. Word of God makes an impact. So all flesh, mankind, the animal kingdom, plant kingdom, it's like grass. Beautiful flower, rises out of the grass, boom, goes down, withers, dies, common, whatever. But anyway, uh, yes, it is. And that gets in a perspective. And he says at the end of verse 25, and this is the word which is preached to you. This living and active word, this living and enduring word that's been planted into you as a seed that gives you life, real life, hope. Peter's talked about the hope, a beautiful hope. This is the word which is preached to you. Now, um, the word word is logos there, which is uh, uh, reasoning, reasoning from God. Um, then there's a word preached, which is rhema. And that's another word for word. It, but it's, it's a specific word or a word that is actually coming out of your mouth. You're saying something. Uh, this sense preached. Um, this word of God, it came to you. It was preached to you. And God used that as the instrument to save you, to cause you to be born again. And it was preached. It will never fade. Uh, unchanging truth. Uh, specific statement has been made. So they, they brought you the Word that brought you birth. Whoever it was that brought that Word of God to you. Isn't Sama a word for word also? Get out the dictionary. (laughs) Well, the reason I ask is because I have that written down in here from another time. Usually, I will use it gives Greek words. Pastor Mark. I have to look look it up. I know. I know. when we usually think like in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, that's all dealing with Logos. Of course, he's bringing forth that idea. And then sometimes you'll see the Word that is actually spoken where it's Rhema. Um, Yeah, you have me stumped there. Now I have to... We're going to have to start bringing our, our, our Greek dictionaries here, Barb. You're going to stump me like that. Uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm just guessing I got it from you and I wrote it in the internet somewhere else. Well, I'm hoping it's Rhema, but it's another word. Okay. Okay. There's actually a Greek word that's uh, related to thesaurus, which is dealing with a word too. So that I don't know if that's related to thema, thesaurus, maybe something like that. Okay, now let's go into um, the activity that we are to do. 
you know, he's given us doctrine here again about being born again, having that seed, and then quoting Old Testament passage, as Peter does quite frequently. And then he'll say, therefore. Now, Paul does the same thing, doesn't he? Here's your doctrine, and now, therefore, looking back at what he's already said, now here's what we're going to do, right? So we are, and we'll call this part craving the Word of God. We are to crave or desire. Let's read those first um, three verses. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. Craving, desiring, um, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the Word. Long for it, desire it. But before you can desire it, what Peter is going to bring forth is, first of all, you have to get rid of something and then replace what you've just gotten rid of. Um, the Bible never tells us to get to dump something and it just leaves it empty. No, we, we dump something out so we can fill that up with God's truth. So before you can desire the good things, this kind of craving, this positive thing, you have to deal with the negative thing of... Um, putting aside. And that putting aside here means to unload. It means to strip off. The verb uh, has to do with stripping off filthy clothes. Um, soil clothing. Unload the filth in your life. Unload it. Get rid of it. And this is dealing with repentance, confession. Um, that word would be used of early Christians whenever they would have baptisms. They would uh, bring their clothes, bring their old clothes, and then after the baptism, they would give them new robes and they would change into the new robes and that symbolized the truth that had come into them and uh, they were like new people, new creatures. And so that was a symbolic way of showing, hey, this is what has happened. You've now been made new. So the ugly elements of the old life have been cast away. There's their old clothes. There's their old life. It's put. They've ripped it off. Um, the word there is apotithemai. Apo means away from. Um, and it means to reject, to put away, to get rid of, to strip. So we we first start by eliminating particular kinds of sins. And, and these aren't just like, hey, this wraps it all up. It's just he's giving a, a general sense of uh, sins that are in our lives. Um, this was our old man, but some of these things like to still would like to try to dominate us. The first word is malice. Put aside malice. It's a general word for evil. A general word for wickedness. That kind of thought. Good for nothing. And so, in our lives, if we have no appetite for the Word of God, we're, just, we're going to have some kind of general wickedness about us, a general evil. And we must have that Word of God coming in. And, uh, but when we start getting rid of more and more of that, that kind of uh, evil, we start having an appetite for the Word of God. The next word is uh, deceit. Put aside malice, put aside deceit. Guile. Dalos is the word. 
uh, it meant to be like a bait on a fish hook. <laughs> Deceit, deception. <laughs> yeah. Uh, boy, isn't that a, a deceitful thing to do? <laughs> hey, I like to fish. I, I like to eat fish. Can you imagine, though? There we are. We're out there throwing out the fish bait to make a fish think that, that you're going to feed him and actually you want to feed yourself. <laughs> that's pretty deceitful, isn't it? That, but that's the idea of the word um, guile. Uh, deceit, deception, dishonesty, falsehood, seduction, treachery, that kind of thought. So that's, that's, is that the word then that Jesus said about uh, Nathaniel? Yeah, and that there is no guile in you. It's sort of like... Uh, Well, sort of like uh, you know, in the Old Testament with Jacob, mm-hmm. he would have been the deceiver. Yeah, he would have been probably the opposite of that, or known for that, or something. Yeah, what is that? Is that, is that in John there, um, Bob? I think. The first uh, Nathaniel. Um, oh, it's it's in John one, I think, right? And um, the disciples. Yeah, you have Philip, Nathaniel. Um, Nathaniel actually said, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" Philip said to him, "Come and see." <laughs> Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said of him, "Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit." That's interesting, you know. It, but he knew the heart of Nathaniel. And and he knew that um, he was not one of, of deception, but it's kind of interesting. You know, there he is saying that's pretty good. He was a straight talker, I guess. Yeah, kind of right. Just, you know, just said it. On the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I wonder if Nathaniel and Peter got together pretty good. So anyway, that and a mark of a Christian is that they don't deceive. And of course, Jacob. His name was changed to what? Israel. One who persists with God, wrestles with God. Next one is hypocrisy, a mask. They're the the actors. They put on masks. And and that's what an actor was known of uh, back in the biblical times. And you'd think they would have the the mask that they would hold up over them like that. And uh, they were playing a part of somebody else that really wasn't them. So they're playing another part. They were called a hypocrites, that actor. They were hypocrites, <laughs> and Jesus used that word often about the uh, religious phonies. Um, envy. I think that's the oh, hardest, one of the hardest things to see in ourselves. Isn't it? Nobody will admit to being a hypocrite. No. <laughs> they see it in others, but we don't see the hypocrisy in ourselves. We never think we're. A, you ever heard anybody? No, <laughs> I've never heard anybody say I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> but if we really see, how often do we cover up things? But of course, it's probably good in some ways. But you know, Thomas Watson, and I, I've probably mentioned this a few times as of late. But uh, on the glories of heaven. And what what he mentioned, I thought, was really fantastic. I'd never really thought of it that way, but it really kind of um, 
got me thinking a little bit. Like in heaven, there won't be any strangers. And you know how when we go up to people, and and we don't want to say negative things or just let you know let it all out. You know, we we have to be we have to guard ourselves. It, it might just blow them all away if if somebody was to see totally inside of you. But in heaven, there won't be any strangers. People will be able to see right through us. We're so related, we won't have sin there. And so we can have an intimacy with each other that we can't have here. So our little hypocritical acting that we do sometimes is probably good in a way, but we can't really be who we are with other people sometimes. Or maybe we should do that. Yeah. But yeah, that that intimacy that we'll have in fellowship there will just be but something else. Transparent. That's. I wish we could. And and sometimes I think the church, whenever they get to be a little more open with each other, the more can you imagine the growth that can happen. It's it's a hard thing though. That hypocrisy is always a battle. It's worse in the church than it is outside. How many times have you heard of people saying, "Oh, I'm not going to go to church. They're all hypocrites there." And you know what? Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. But we do. We desire to please the people we care about, for one thing. And so we see our hearts sometimes are a portion of our hearts hmm. and how rotten we can be. You don't want to show that. No, no we don't. We don't. Yeah, you're getting too truthful here. Yes, it's a hard one to But it's needed. <laughs> That's good. That's right. That's one of the reasons it goes on in verse 2. Put these things away that you may grow. That's mm-hmm. one reason people yeah. don't grow. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just said it. We could end on that note right there. That's really what it's about. That's what You will not grow if you don't put these away. And of course, these are definitely specific ones that... People deal with. He says, "All mouth, all, and all slander, and all inclusive." Uh, that's not a one-time thing done immediately. This is all related to our growth in Christ. So you can't. You may be working on it, but you're not going to achieve it. Just overnight. It's a growing thing, isn't it? And it'll be forever growing. As you may grow in respect to salvation. And you know that, um, yeah, I'm glad you said that because that word, of course, it's obvious. It says putting aside. It's not a one time thing, like you say. It's a constant thing. And just when you think you got it, uh, you just lost it. <laughs> This is, and you know what? The Word of God is convicting. 
And when you think about it like that Hebrews passage, it rips you, you know. And that's what it's supposed to do. It, it To be growing, we need to get this stuff just continually getting out of us. That's dying to self. Boy, these these right here, we, we all have these things in, in some way or, or, or matter. That's funny why he would pick these words. You know, I think he was reflecting on what he had seen in, among churches, Christians, uh, you know, the ones that grew, the ones that grow up stymie, you know. And he probably started with put away all, let's see, malice, you know, and, and yeah, deceit, and then it's a hope, and hypocrisy, and envy, and, you know, it's like all this just, you know, brought back thoughts I'm sure he had experienced. Yeah, you betcha. You know, that the Holy Spirit's helping him to, you know, get all this in there now. Get, a, get all these things in there because those are all the things that are that we need to address. Well, hypocrisy is a, a good, an easy thing to put on. Like you've been saying, but when you say you live, what you're sitting there saying is, uh, you know, he's probably seen it so much, he's trying to say, that's not what I meant by Christianity. That's not the truth, you know. It's breaking away from that system. Yeah, because he'd seen how people yeah. hadn't grown up yeah. when they're living in, in those mm-hmm. conditions, living with, with that sort of atmosphere going on, slanderousness and envy and all the things that we mm-hmm. do. And, and that's just the perfect description of man right there. Mm-hmm. That's, that's flesh. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's a bad thing. You could just say it that way. Put away, put away the desires of the flesh. Because that's what they want. And he just happened to name us few... Spe- I mean, we could yeah. go on and on and on, but... Yeah. You're not sure what they're talking about, right? Yeah. All under the umbrella of depravity, I guess. You came from that. Now, as you're Christians, now keep putting that stuff off. It didn't just magically go all go away. Even though we are new creatures, the flesh is still there. Our battle is still there. Oh, to get rid of these completely. See, oh. these, are, these are things that war against that last statement about that Lord, the Lord is good. Hmm. See, we can't, we can't see, we can't even see that the Lord is good if we're dealing with all of that. Mm-hmm. Because it blinds us to, you know, clouds are... Hmm vision we're not looking at him that's kind of what he says in second peter chapter one uh-huh. about being blinded yeah uh-huh. same thing envy uh hankering hankering for what others have and you don't and then having resentment somebody else uh, oh, they've got that and so they're better off and then you want what they want and or they have and then the word slander kind of an interesting word there uh it's an ontomontopia word um, I like onomatopoeia. Uh, Todd Rundgren used to sing a song like <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's, you know, like bees buzz. You know, it's a word that goes along. Right, exactly. Um, cars crash. You know. This is kata lalalia. Uh, lalia. Lalalia. Alalalilia. Lalalalalala. Yeah, 
blabbering, you know, about somebody else that you envy. <laughs> that's that's on uh, that word uh, slander, uh, defaming people maliciously. Uh, since you now have come to know the truth, you should be distinguished by a sincere love of the brethren. So sincere that it would be fervent that you'd stretch every muscle out for one another from the heart. Strip off the filth, Peter says. Confess it. Repent of it. Eliminate it. Get rid of it. Like newborn babes. Near the end here. Brefe artigenita. Used to speak of a nursing, a nursing infant. Breast-fed baby. A newborn breast-fed baby. That's the thought here. The baby only cares about one thing. The milk. The milk from the mother's breast. It's a simple process. It's one-dimensional. That's really, at that time, what their main aspect in life is. It's a pretty graphic illustration. But when you when you think about it, we have to admit our need and our need is for the Word of God. A newborn babe needs the milk, has to have that milk. It's for nourishment. It's for immunity. Um, antibodies, that kind of thing. Life. Protection. There's strength in this. And my, the intimacy that the baby has. Maturity. Nurture a tender way to nurture the intimacy between the mother and the child, and so he takes something so natural there. Exactly. I think Christians can really get hung up on um, junk food, spiritual junk food, or what? What do you call it, Bob? Christian light. Yeah, gospel light. Yeah. Gospel light. In its light form. Tastes great, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but now they're saying in Bethesda, people are not. Yeah, yeah. They're making light light. Tastes great, but still. Right. Yeah. Well, he says here to wrap this up. Uh, of course. I really shouldn't take one minute to finish it up, but long for the pure milk, long for desire, crave, just like a hungry baby sucking with all its strength to draw out this nourishment from from the uh, from the mother, and that's that's to get something necessary for life. Uh, the meaning of desire here or that long for is, is it's like craving. Uh, you guys know the the passage in Psalms where it says a deer panting after water. That's that's the thought there. That kind of craving. An insatiable craving. Constantly craving. Intense and consistent. Um, it's just like a baby that's just constantly going and, you know, you get satisfied for a few moments. Isn't there a, a song? I need you more than my next breath. I mean, that kind of sums it up right there. You are the person the air that I breathe. You are the air that I breathe. This is a Christian song. Oh, is it? Yes. I was thinking of that one. I think it is. I heard one, but I need you more than my next breath. It was in a song. Yeah. 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 Ye
Right. Okay, and yeah. That, you know, we have to breathe. We need that in breath. So it's bad. What, you know, what is that meaning <clears throat> God? To me, that really spoke volumes. It does. My, we could we could go all through Scripture, and we're 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 out of time, and we probably need to get going. I don't know if it's getting worse out there, but uh, I kind of wanted to talk about the pure milk of the word, and uh, kind of the Greek words in, in that. But we're not going to have enough time here. Uh, matter of fact, I'd like to get that to that desire and um, the hungering and and really pursuing Him. So maybe we'll go into that next week. What the meaning of this desire and longing. For Psalms have so much to say about it, especially in Psalm 119. It's just all over the place. That's what it's about. That's what you have to have so that you can grow. As as Elgin was saying there, you know, that's that's where all this is going to. Because if if we're growing, then we're becoming like Christ, and that's the whole goal of this anyway, isn't it? Anyway, thank you guys for coming out. Peter is so practical, isn't it? So much that can be used.